Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to mourn the loss of even more money from our wallets. That's right, those greedy bastards at 2K and I'm sure every other video game company are about to suck us dry. <laughs> this is unbelievable how once again, we're getting all excited about video games and whoop, they're 10, $15 more because they have to be compatible with the next generation. They have to be compatible with both generations. You want to be able to buy it on one and play it on two. It's going to cost you more money or it's just going to cost you more money on one and you don't get to play it on two if you don't buy the next console. David, I'm very upset and I'm sorry that it had to come this way, but I can't do this anymore. I'm fed up. That's right. It's a scene on screen podcast. Of course, you got myself, Sean, and you got our our boy David and David has been trying to console me for what seems to be weeks. I'm just Yeah, you are really upset. I just why do you have to keep like why do things have to keep increasing in price? Video games for the longest time have been the same price and I've been okay with it. And by that I mean like five years. But like Well, like video games have been the same price for a very, very, very long time. No, you remember when they were like fifty nine ninety nine and then they went to sixty nine ninety nine? Yeah, and now some games are like seventy. Yeah, and now some games are seventy nine ninety nine already. Well, we're gonna be paying a hundred dollars a game in Canada. You know this, right? Well, we we already do pay a hundred dollars a game if you count tax. So before tax. So before tax, what are they going up to? Eighty nine bucks. Yeah, because it's sixty nine ninety nine in the states. So in Ontario, that'd be a hundred and one dollars and sixty eight cents. No thanks. Yeah, I'm done with video games. I'm a patient gamer. So it's sweet, sweet, sweet sales that I love to uh, get in on. These launch titles are going to be harder to like really push yourself for, right? Now even more, I wish I had a pre-order for Cyberpunk. Because if could you imagine after the pre-order, they jack up the price? They let some people buy it for 50 and they're like, <laughs> suckers. Well, that's how does that work, right? Like, if if you pre-ordered, um, place the pre-order down for a game, and the price increased, do they make you? I know Amazon doesn't, right? Like, Amazon no. has their pre-order price guarantee. You are um, guaranteed the price in which you pre-ordered. It's the same as layaway or anything like that, or like financing. Like EB Games does that as well. Yep. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised they're if they're pretty evil company. So yeah, they're the worst. You hear that, EB Games? We don't want your advertising because you are the worst as yeah, we advertise. I'm still in business. I'm, um, I'm actually really shocked some of their stores haven't suffered from the pandemic. That's true. Yeah. Like, um, I th- I think though, with with game increases, they're, they're or if game prices increase, um, launch sales are going to lower, and either we're going to see a faster transition to sale prices or 
you know, the gaming industry will just crash like the Atari did with E.T. I don't think so. Here's the thing, though. That was 2K games for anyone who did not really, you know, figure out what was going on. Uh, And 2K games has announced that the price of what is it? NBA 2K21. Yeah. 2K21 is going to be $10 more on the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. Um, and that's like t- $10 US, which if if they are doing just the same, like, you know, $10 increase, then games in Canada would be $89 for a base, a base um, edition. Yeah. But if they do like an actual exchange rate, it'd probably be about $15 Canadian. Um, but here's the thing. EA tried to do that. Did you, or, or something similar. So with Madden 21 or whatever the new one is, um, EA had said that there was going to be a free upgrade to the next gen, uh, edition through either series X or PS five. Um, but only for, I think it was like three or four months. And so essentially people had, well, you know, people were outraged by that because the game comes out in November. If people don't buy it until like the new year, that really only gives them like two or three months to upgrade to the new system or the new hardware, right? Yeah. To get the upgrade of the game. So people were outraged for that. And then um, EA kind of took a step back and they extended it for the entire year. So um, I think they have until December 31st, 2021 to upgrade for free to the next gen uh, edition, So, so I uh, which just... is understandable. But yeah. I think with, with 2K games, what they're doing, though, is they're just like straight up saying like, oh, no, you want the next gen edition? Pay us money. So here are some tweets that I found that I think you'll enjoy. So in the year we have the worst economy ever, you guys are going to raise game prices by $10? WTF? The standard edition of NBA 2K21 are going to be $70 on launch for PS5 and Xbox Series X? I really hope this doesn't mean a price raise for other games on the next gen. Does NBA 2K21, sorry, does hashtag NBA 2K21 need a $70 price tag? Hell nah. Do AAA titles like Horizon Forbidden West or God of War 2 need them? $70 would be a steal. So that guy just was confused. And here's the one that I found a little bit to be interesting. From a, a, a gentleman named Turnbased Carl, who's a game reviewer. So it looks like hashtag take two interactive is becoming an ea like bad actor in the industry no smart delivery with a free upgrade raising the price for an annualized game gross microtransactions and reselling you the game three times here's where i find this tweet incredibly interesting because i never thought about this do you think because the game increased microtransactions are going to increase in price too uh no is a is a coin pack or a card pack going to cost two more dollars? I think they'll see an increase in sales of microtransactions. Think about it. 
they could decrease the price of microtransactions by a dollar. So then people are going to be like, oh, well, this is a steal of a deal for this stuff because, you know, it used to be more expensive, but they're making that extra money on the, the base game of the game, right? Yeah. Or the base price of the game. I don't know. I think uh, microtrans- microtransactions for not free-to-play games are slowly but surely on the way out. But like only with, because with sports only games. because of the, yeah. But that's the thing. It's like sports games. What what are the microtransactions mostly in that? I know so, like MLB. It's like card packs to create. Yeah. Um, in NBA, you can buy the coins, like to, and the coins can change your experience in any game mode, right? Because if you have coins, you can buy influence, or you can you can like make the game easier for yourself if you buy coins. But you can spread them out over like the my team or. Like um, I think I think it's called My Park in right. NBA, so you can like make your own basketball court and stuff like that. There's cosmetics, there's jerseys, all this stuff. Here's the thing: like I know I'm caught up on the fact that like like I buy probably a game a month if I'm lucky, or if I like wait a little bit to the end of the year and pick up one or two. Like I know there's like two or three games I'm gonna want to pick up at launch. Thankfully. Mm-hmm my one and only Warzone and Madden <laughs> will be available for me on the new console because like, there's some things that are going to have to wait till like after like me being like, Hey, can you get this for Christmas? Like, I, I don't know yeah. if I'm going to rush out, but then I also look at it as like $10, right? $10 is for some people, five coffees, a pack of smokes, like it's it's a manageable ten bucks in Canada. It's a little bit more right now because the borders are closed and mm-hmm. Canada is currently struggling with their economy, which <laughs> is kind of funny when you think about it because we're we've closed the border to America and we're not trading with America via road unless we absolutely have to, which is hurting our economy. There's no way around it. But maybe the economy sees a bump and that $10 in America is only $15 here. And we see it a little bit better. Right now it's double, which sucks balls. But Well, that's the thing is this is not the right time to increase the prices of games, I think. Um, it is probably an industry that has seen the most growth over the last few months because of the pandemic, right? Which is why um, people are doing it, likely. And that's the thing. It's like, it's still very difficult to buy a Nintendo switch. Um, my place of employment, you know, we have been struggling to get in, you know, game accessories like PlayStation controllers, uh, PS4 controllers are hard to come by. Um, and people, I, I get people calling daily asking for either PS4 controllers, um, or Nintendo switch consoles. And, Part of it is because I think there was such a huge, dem- an unprecedented did, uh, an yeah. unprecedented did did. How many dids are in there? Anyways, uh, amount amounts of demand um, for gaming systems because you know all of a sudden you know people get up to go to work and then they find out the next day that you know if for if, until further notice you know they're staying at home. Uh, kids are staying at home. Parents need to do something to keep them busy while they try and figure out what the hell they're doing. So, you know, whether or not they already had a system and they need to get another controller so that they're, you know, one of their other kids can play at the same time or whatever it may be. Right. Um, 
so there is a was a huge demand for games, gaming systems, and stuff like that. So, um, yes, absolutely, there is was an increase for in the gaming industry, right, for sales. Yeah. But now our companies seeing this as um, not connected to the pandemic. Like, are they just looking at the numbers, being like, "Oh, yes, we did, this was a great year," or? are they being smart and realizing that, you know, this is a very unique situation um, and it's not going to sustain. And like you had mentioned, you know, the, the Canadian economy has taken a hit. The economy, the world economy really has taken a big hit. Right. Um, And, you know, I think with um, what the government was doing for Canadians, the uh, emergency benefit fund, you know, when that first came out, people were applying for it and people qualified for it who all of a sudden they were getting more money from the government than they were making from their employer. Just barely, right? Like, yeah. Right? Like I was one of them where it's like, you know what? Like that two grand that we were getting a month um, was, you know, a little more than what I was making. Well, actually significantly more than what I was making a month because I was in school at the time, right? But I still qualified to make the full amount. So now like there's people who are not having to work, not being able to go to school, and they're getting this money coming in. My bills are not as much as say yours, right? Because like I'm I'm not paying for like rent and my internet is like half the price as yours. Yeah. Uh probably probably not though, but um anyway, so I, I'm one of these people where it's like, and one of my friends who was like, okay, well, I have this money. Um, I want to buy a Nintendo Switch, right? It's like, okay, well, the government's giving me, you know, it's 500 bucks this week. Uh, I don't need it for anything else. And then they bought the, a Nintendo Switch after search for one. It took a while. But that's the thing. I don't think they would have otherwise bought a Nintendo Switch if they were working and, you know, had other things to pay for, had to worry about other things, Right so much right because people saw it as free money which it wasn't like you got to pay it back somehow whether it be through the economy or taxes right 12 12 to 25 percent depending on your your situation or right? all and luckily well that's the thing is i don't i taxes are going to be interesting this year um, because of that but that's going to be a big hit on the economy as well right because you're going to have a lot of people that got this money and i don't know what the the in the united states is the situation is down there for um any financial support so if any of our listeners are from the our neighbors to the south uh let us know on our instagram facebook um at, let us know like what the government's doing for you guys I, I try and keep up a little bit but there's so much stuff it changes every day yeah. and multiple times it's really hard to keep up um but i think we're going to find come tax season there's going to be a big 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 number of people that have to pay back a lot of money and not everyone is being necessarily smart and saving a certain percentage of uh the money that they're getting from the government you know i i know some people who are saying okay well i'm going to qualify up until the end i'm going to take the last you know two grand and save that as my um tax money i know people who've been doing it for each one but the thing is is come when is it that april yeah next yeah so it'll be next april April, you know i think we're going to see a decline in 
you know, game sales and stuff like that because people are like, oh, um, I spent all the money that I got from the government thinking that not not realizing that I have to pay taxes on it. And then if games have increased in price, you know, that's even less games that people are going to are going to buy. Like I it's amazing sometimes when I see people come in and buy games and stuff like that. Uh, and there's there's two different types of people. There's the people that um well, I would say three types of people. There's the people that only buy like used games and and you know get them like twenty bucks is kind of a stretch for them. Yeah, I and I understand that, right? And like, and I will buy a used game if it's in like you know pristine condition, um, or if it's really hard to find or whatever it may be, right? But yeah, twenty bucks sometimes you know I I wouldn't like spending twenty bucks on a cheapo meal, right? So spending something on a video game that's understandable so then there's people that you know they'll buy one new game every six months or something like that because they save up for it right um and so you want those games that they buy to be good and i feel bad when i sell someone a game or something like that and i know that maybe it hasn't had the the best reviews or or like they're super excited for something and i have my opinions on something but you know i got to be diligent in you know how I sell something, right? Yeah, I can give my opinion, but like clearly, if someone comes in and I know that they're a person that you know buys one game every few months, um, I don't want to rain on their parade, right? Uh, but then there's also, and I've had this a few times, some people that come out and they're like, uh, "Yeah, I want the this new one. Uh, how much is that? Well, it's eighty bucks. Okay, no problem." And then they drop like two, three hundred dollars on like three or four new games. Like it's nothing, right? So there's three different, like there's three groups of people. I kind of fall into the uh, save up for a specific game or buy it used or like on sale, right? I'm a patient gamer. Yeah. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot more patient gamers when we have an increase in price. You know what's going to hurt the most though? Buy Nintendo games. Because those don't go on sale. Yeah, like when it comes to me, I think the category I fall under is, and like you're going to rip on me for Madden. But again, I haven't bought a new Madden game in years. Um, There's two games I buy, I would say annually. For sure, I buy the NHL game because it's my favorite sport. That's what I like to do. Like I like to play that game when I'm not playing with friends. Or if I play online, that's just my thing. I like to do that. Yeah. Call of Duty, I will buy semi-annually. So I'll typically buy it every other year. Like this year's Call of Duty, I loved. I'm probably not going to go back to the World War II one that's coming out. Or Black Ops, which is whatever year they're making it. It just doesn't seem as interesting to me. I would go like to another World War II one if it was more like Modern Warfare. Yeah, like the Modern Warfare that came out this year was unbelievable. I thought it yeah, was phenomenal. Very it went really, really went back to the roots of Call of Duty and what made it great. Yeah, like there was no jetpacks, there was no stupidity. It was just fun. Um, but that's really it. Like I will buy a AAA title if it's coming out. Like I had no intention of buying The Last of Us right away. I was actually leaning a little bit more towards the show, and my girlfriend surprised me with it. So that's awesome. The only game that I planned on buying this year was Cyberpunk. And I was willing, and, and this year's Madden solely because of like the historical value to it. But now I don't even know. Like, so a friend of mine told me he pre-ordered two copies of NBA 2K21, 
um, the legendary edition or whatever, because Kobe Bryant's going to be on it and it's going to be like a cool case and stuff. But he plans on selling it because he figures it'll sell out. Like the that edition will sell out. Right. I was like, okay, that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting strategy. Okay, I'm for it. I'm for but it. he's just banking on, you know, there being a huge demand for that. Yeah, it's it's much like. Um, What's his face or not? What's his face? The Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. Yeah, because the Olympics didn't happen, but I've still see tons of copies. So I don't know if I should trust what people are anticipating for its its value to all of a sudden increase one day. Yeah, because I don't know. I have the game. But it's on sale right now for like 50 50 bucks. But is it ever going to spike to the point where it's like worth 200 bucks because the, I doubt that it. Olympics never happened. Like, but it's not like an official Olympics game. Well, it is. Sorry. It it is an official Olympics game, but it's not like uh an Olympic game where it's actual real people. You know what I mean? I think it would be more uh valuable if it was a game that featured, you know, real life athletes. What was that um Olympic game called that um the the NES one, the multi or uh, the the one for the original. Oh Olympics. yeah, I I forget. It's something Olympic. Sp- yeah, something Olympics. <laughs> but like, I think people are looking. But for that, that was kind of super phenomenon. hard. To, yeah, but that was. But also, that one was just a very low print, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's probably justifiable. Ten dollars isn't a lot. Twenty dollars is a little bit more. But I'm the same as you. Like, I won't buy it. Like. My game collection grows based off games that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. If I'm not like, and I can wait for a game because that's what I did when I was a kid. So like, I have no problem with waiting out a game like cyberpunk. Again, a game like that. Sure. All my friends are going to be playing it. That's great. But if nine o'clock rolls around and people are like, Hey, are you online? It's not going to be like, Hey, do you guys want to chat while we all play cyberpunk? No, you want to enjoy that story. You're going to just yeah. jump on your Call of Duties, your sports games that you play, your your co-op games, and that's going to be it. So you're either going to play it up what's popular, which is a battle royale or a sports game. So I don't know. I think companies like 2K should open their, their fucking eyes, excuse my French, and be like, look, we can get people if you want to make more money. I saw an article on this. I can't remember who it was, so I apologize that I can't cite it. But the average person, I'm talking the very basic average, will like especially specifically with sports games or battle royales, will spend money on on a title. So they'll buy the game for regular price or on sale, and they will typically spend up to double the value of the game. That is the average person. In like microtransactions. Yeah. So like in my case, like in NHL, like usually I pre-order, I get like a bunch of card packs and I get really addicted for the first two months and probably drop like $20. So that's up to double the value. That's not double the value, but at a $79 title. And if I'm adding another, what, 20 bucks, we're looking at just under a hundred dollars before taxes for games like Fortnite. People are spending exorbitant amounts of money like um well you know devin my buddy devin used to come on this podcast 
Devin's been buying weapon packs for Warzone. Like we all have seasons passes because we're like, yeah, you know what? It's 15 bucks or it's 20 bucks, depending on which season pass you buy. You get weapons that other people don't get. That's cool. But like some of these item packs are like 1600 coins, which equate to like $24. He's like, yeah, I bought the Canada one and I bought the America one. He got like light up bullets. And I'm like, that's cool. I couldn't see myself doing that, but that shows you the level. Like on a free game, he's willing to spend um, quarterly like $25 to $75, which yeah. is great. Like if you're not buying other games, that's fine. Like you, that like gaming, you're allowed to do what you want with your disposable income. I will never, ever, ever judge anybody for that. Like I know somebody who pours in Uh, a buddy of mine plays the last FIFA and he said to me, he's like, I bought the game full price when it launched. And I've probably put $250 into the game for cards. He's made a lot of money because he's pulled really good cards and sold them. But like, can you sell them for real money though? Yeah. You can sell them for real money or coins. Like there's people who trade. I just found out the other day that there's a Reddit black market for Pokemon through the Pokemon, um, Pokemon home. And you can sell Pokemon. Oh yeah. I was like, wow, because I like my buddy convinced me to log on to Pokemon Home and get the shiny Zorora before like it was just free because everybody completed that raid. So I like I got it and that's really cool and stuff. But like he was like, yeah, you could probably make $30 off that right now. But you and I also looked into how crazy Animal Crossing became like for eight ninety nine, yeah. you could have bought. What was it? Five thousand bells. Uh, something or like a, a million five million bells or something like that it was stupid though right and that's the thing is it i don't understand i understand spending you know money on collectible physical items you know like if it was like a, a super rare actual like my you know, trading boy? Card. yeah like if, well not even that like if it was trading cards right like i could see you know there being a super rare trading card that has a value of you know 30 or 40 dollars because the odds of getting one in a a booster pack is like one in 75 you know what i mean something like that 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 physical item holds some value because it is actually rare but then i don't i understand you know spending money and on getting a digital card or digital something from a game that ultimately like when the game stops working, if your save file gets corrupt, if you know once people stop playing the game, you have nothing to show for it, right? It's not like you can you're gonna keep reselling that game, or you have this like where you're you know dusting off your attic, you know in in fifty years, and or your grandkids find it, and you're like, oh, grandpa's old Pokemon game. All right, I'm just gonna delete this save and start over again, not knowing that you know grandpa spent, you know. $200 on shiny Pokemon. Yeah, right? where's, but- where's your point of when is it worth it? Like I, uh, this is going to sound really weird, um, but think of it as like a cell phone warranty, right? Like the extended warranty you can buy from a store when they go to you. Well, it's X amount of dollars a month and you're like, okay, can I cancel whatever I want? And you're like, yeah, sure you can. But I would recommend that you cancel it when this phone doesn't feel like it. Do, it's no longer valued at this amount for you. I'm just saying it in broad terms. But like, let's say it's a, an iPhone and you you know the warranty coverage is like $400, right? 
when that phone isn't worth $400 to you, then you can cancel the warranty because you're going to just upgrade or do something else. Like if you're not willing to pay $400 to replace that phone anymore, that's over. So when you're using your example about like grandpa's old Pokemon game or any other game for that example, like at what point in the life cycle of your game, let's say animal crossing, do you take all the things that you earned or you invested in and sell it? I was thinking about my animal crossing game the other day, which I haven't opened. But like I had gold flowers, I had blue, I had all the color roses. I didn't, like I didn't make them myself, Chris's brother did, but I was given that. And he was telling me that he was making like $25 per four roses, or no, a five rose pack to make the grid. So he was making $5 per rose, depending on the color. And somebody was making more money. Because there was a demand for it. If he was willing to put in the time to farm these roses and make them grow. Because the gold roses were super rare. He was doing it. Right. Okay. So, but here's the thing with that. I think that is slightly different though, because for something like that, you know, it is like you said, he's putting the time in to make and, and, and grow these special roses, right? People want them. And either people don't necessarily understand how to do it or they don't want to um, spend the time to do it. So they will spend the money and buy it from someone else who has done it, whether or not he's time traveling or to, to get it done or, or whatever. Um, someone is still doing the effort, putting the, the time into making that rose. But when it comes to, you know, card packs in like digital packs in games, even skins and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I understand that it's an easy way for the developer to have a steady stream of income to continue supporting the game. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to, you know, buying Pokemon or buying, like I said, cards, random cards that are, you know, just drawn from a random loot box, right? Like, you have a one in 10,000 chance of getting this card buying things like that and spending lots of money on things like that, that, you know, it just, someone was lucky enough to have that show up in their game. And now they're selling it because someone else wants it because it's rare. That doesn't hold any value. Um, and like, like you had mentioned the warranty, when does it stop? When does the item stop being, valuable to you in that but then there's also the other side of the coin where it's you know is it worth me paying this for something that i would never use yeah right uh like a lot of warranties you actually are just you're just essentially throwing the money away because you're never going to use the warranty um just like if if you buy a shiny pokemon for 30 bucks and then something happens to your save file or your dog chews on your your game card you know, you've, you've, you've lost it. You know, uh, we, we bought a car the other day and in the, um, yeah, that's, I did a bad thing. Um, <laughs> well, you upgraded and, your car and it's kind of a necessity. So you did a good thing. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. That's a good thing. So the lady that we we're talking to about the financing, she was really pushing the extended warranty on it. So the, the car has like a 3000 or three year unlimited mileage warranty. It covers everything. 
Um, and she was really trying to push the extended warranty just to push it to another four years, right? Or uh, push it to a fourth year. Um, because we were like, oh, we don't know if we're going to trade it in in f- three years or four years um, and whatnot. And I was like, I don't really feel like the five-year extended warranty is worth it because if we trade the car in, we've been paying for it and we lose out on two years of coverage, right? That doesn't get transferred over to the another car that we buy. So she looked into what it was for um, just extend it to the fourth year. And they did the whole, you know, oh, it's only 60 cents a day, you know, $19 a month. It covers everything for that ex- uh, fourth year. And I'm like, okay, so we have three years coverage by default. We're extending it one year. And so she was really hesitant to tell us. Like she kept telling us like the, the day price and the month price, right? Yeah. So then I was like, okay, well, what's the, um, what's the cost, total cost? And she was like, oh, uh, yeah, let me calculate that out. And it was something like $1,100 or whatever. I'm like, so we're paying $1,100 just for a one-year warranty that we might not even use um, or might not even have be, be in a position to use because we might get rid of the car at three years, right? And so she's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's better to have it and not need it. And I'm like, well, it's also better to have that $1,100 for something when we do need it. So it's it's funny you mentioned that because I looked at this – completely differently because i she called it like frog insurance i can't remember what the actual name was but she she was like you can remind yourself what it's called by calling it frog insurance but the way it worked was because i financed over six years if i got into an accident like i'm like the vehicle was to be written off right the the dealership and the bank would just go and i wouldn't know anything else if the vehicle was to be written off, but the expectation would be I would renew with the company. What was that sound that you just made? I don't I, even know what that I, I, I cleaned my hands. So, okay. So the way it would, like, I, I remember because I was, like, really um, apprehensive originally. And, like, I was sitting in there with my dad. This was, like, the first car that I bought that wasn't, like, $500 <laughs> off somebody that I ran the shit out of. Um and we looked at it as like, okay, so it's the what if. Like, it turns out to be like I'm paying like a dollar and a half a day or something for this stupid thing as part of right. my car package. But like, it's the what if. If I get into an accident on the highway and the vehicle is written off, I can go get a new vehicle. They just take the remaining amount of the loan and put it towards my new vehicle. Right. So, like, so that's slightly different, though, right? Because- to them, but I don't. Like I'm not responsible for the last chunk of change. Right. But I, I feel like that's slightly different though, just because I had asked something like that. It's like, Oh, what if someone hits us or whatever? And we need, we need to get like a door replaced or the, and every single time was, Oh, that's un, uh, under insurance. So you'd have to get that. I was like, okay, well, what if we, uh, what if we get hit and something on the inside is broken. Oh, well that's under insurance. Okay. Well, what if we get hit and something breaks on the inside, you know, six months later? Uh, well then we would have to determine whether or not that was a fault of the accident or whatever. Right. So it's like all these like little things that did not sell me on it. I think we're getting off track on the main problem though. Is Uh, that, what are we doing here? (laughs) (laughs) 2k games trying to increase next gen games. Yeah. And we only know it's 2k right now. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like, uh, and kind of if you look at these sales tactics, right? Everyone does them. 
right? And it's when, you know, Joe down the street knows that he can sell uh, something for this price and really sell it up. Maybe he's selling the product for the same price, but he's like, oh, okay, you know what? For an extra, you know, 60 cents a day, uh, I'll guarantee that this will work on the next system that you buy, right? Just something like that. Well, and then word gets word gets out that, oh, well, you know what? Like people are willing to pay this X dollars over the, you know, standard price. And that's when we start seeing more and more companies do that. They, it just pushes it. It started with microtransactions, right? And then that came to kind of a tipping point. And I think it was right around when Battlefront 2 came out that that's when the microtransactions. Well, that microtransactions, was also gambling. Yeah. Yes, but that's the thing. It's like a lot of microtransactions were going to that where it's like you buy a pack and it gives you random items that make you do better in the game, right? I always found that interesting too because with Battlefront, it was like you could get like you could spend ten dollars and get five cosmetic items and be super pissed, or you can get like, well, there was like the one card that gave you, I can't remember how it worked, but you got like the champions over and over and over again. You could just have them unlocked all the time. And with sports games, it's just you are agreeing the moment you spend two ninety nine or your hard earned coins that you have a one in five chance at a gold player or a platinum player or a diamond player. Like that's just how it goes. And you're like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. I'll buy the cards. Why not? And it's totally gambling, right? Yeah. Well, it's legitimately gambling, but the logic is completely different. And EA was like, fuck it. We can't do it in star Wars, but we can still get you in Madden and NHL. And I think that's things because the mindset from the people who buy the sports games are slightly different than people who, I don't want to necessarily say like it's Star Wars fans in gen- like specifically, but I think oh, Star they Wars definitely are- like aim the rocket right at them. Well, that's the thing is I think the Star Wars fans are very passionate about uh, the media that is made for them right so when a game comes out that you know is promised to have all of these things and then they find out that in order to be able to actually play you know as darth vader i play the game for you know 800 hours or spend you know potentially up to two thousand dollars you know that's where like they look into this stuff but with sports games i think they kind of it's no different than when you were buying trading cards at the convenience store, right? Yeah. They've we've been ingrained that trading cards is part of the part of the uh kind of I don't know, the experience of playing and following and enjoying sports. Um so when they put trading cards into these sports games that let you unlock specific characters and stuff like that. You understand like people know like, Oh, I'm buying a pack of cards with characters and you know, I'm going to get that rare, you know, rookie card or whatever. That's going to give me some sweet unlocks in the game. Slightly different than just, you know, slowly bumping up the price of a, like a cosmetic DLC. But I don't know. It's, it's different in, 
or sorry, it's it's the same in the sense that companies have slowly been creeping up the either the prices of DLC or the types of microtransactions. Um, now everything it seems like everything has a season pass, which yeah. expires, right? Like it used to be, you buy the season pass and you get all this DLC, but now it's like you buy a a year pass, right? Uh, Rainbow Six Siege did that; they started that where they have like the year pass. So it's like, okay, well you can buy this pass and you can unlock everything by playing the game. No problem. But you have to put a lot of time into it or you can buy the year pass and unlock all of the operators right away. But then, Oh, next year, another year pass. There's another 25 bucks next year, another year pass. Right. And it's no different than what a lot of these free to play games are doing like Warzone and Fortnite with their, you know, season passes or the seasons. Right, where it's like 10, 15 bucks for the seasons. And, and yeah, you unlock a lot of stuff. And if you play through it enough, you should be able to earn enough in game currency to buy the next one. But then if you stop playing for, you know, a month or two months and you don't actually get to the end of the ranking, then you're spending another, you know, 10, 15 bucks. Yeah, no, no. It's like, oh, it's, I'm now annoyed. I'm just annoyed again. You just like re-pushed me back into annoyance. The thing with Rainbow Six though, which is kind of unique was you'd buy that, like the $25 pass. But if you were an avid player, you didn't even need it because you get the game updated for free. The only thing you'd really get is like more booster packs. And if you didn't have enough coins, you can get the like other operators. But you always got two free operators and then you had to earn the other two. And if you already had enough points for it, you were fine. It never really right. mattered. So, do you know what game wouldn't do this to you? Make you spend that kind of money? Make you uh, no. randomly... like The cost of acquisition for this game is incredibly cheap. I think it's like $18 a year. Comes on your Switch I... already built in. As long as you have what? the Super Nintendo app. Oh, snap. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? No, not Pokemon Snap. Which, to our astute eagle-eyed listeners, not eagle-eared listeners, you did did catch us say in our last podcast that we would like to see Pokemon Snap come to like a next-gen version of Pokemon Snap. We should tell you that we recorded that episode about a month ago. So... Yeah, we've been holding on to it for the right time to release it to your your wanting ears. Yeah, we, we thought last week was a good opportunity, but we we heard you just like you heard us. However, what we're going into is Donkey Kong Country is coming to the Super Nintendo Virtual Console on the Nintendo Switch. Which I'm surprised and not surprised at at the same time. Uh, Nintendo seems to be giving us lots of like random ass games for there, right? Like when it launched, there were some, some big, big hitters, but the games that people really wanted, you know, it's almost like falling on deaf ears. And then out of nowhere, we get Donkey Kong country. I hate, I hate now. to say this because it's so good, but it looked terrible. <laughs> it just did not upscale very well. Country. Sorry. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. We don't know what uh, emulator Nintendo's using, right? There are, you know, third-party emulators that people make out there that 
can run these games, you know, and scale them up to 1080p and make them look good with different filters and whatnot. We don't know what Nintendo's doing, but the fact that we got it is pretty cool. But I wonder if, if this is just Nintendo kind of throwing us a bone just to keep us satisfied for a little bit. Maybe. I was really actually hoping when I looked at it, because I saw uh, an image and I was like, oh my god, we got Diddy Con- Diddy's Conquest 2? But no, that didn't happen. I wish it was Diddy Con's- Diddy- Diddy's Conquest. Do you know which one we always found? Not- like, we never bought when we were a kid, but we rented. And we only got to play it for seven days. And I think either myself or my brother got grounded, so we weren't allowed to play it very often. And my parents played it. But it was... Uh, Dixie's Double Trouble. Remember the third one? Oh Dixie. yeah. See, and I'm I, my cousin had that, and I kind of played a little bit, but yeah, was, I think that was just one game that kind of came out near the end of the Super Nintendo, and it just wasn't as advertised as much as Donkey Kong. And Diddy's Conquest was probably the biggest one in the entire series, though. Everyone I knew had Diddy's Conquest. It was so good. So good. I mean, Donkey Kong Country is nothing to fuck with at all. But Diddy's Conquest was such a good sequel to a game that, like, you just had a rarity these days. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to play it. I, I love how the the mini Nintendo advertisement taught you how to cheat. So it gave oh, you yeah, the survive, the find the extra banana, the extra life. Everybody knows it's very, at the very beginning of the game. Come on, guys. Or the extra banana. Extra banana, yeah. Always. Everybody knows. What was the third but, one? Oh, there was a way to get Diddy extra lives because of a glitch in the game that they kept in. But Have you noticed that Nintendo, though, kind of lowered or slowed down on the release of games to the virtual console? Uh, well, yeah. Didn't they step it back to like one or two a month? every like every like few months or something like that it feels like i stopped checking i didn't know the names of some of the games that they were dropping on the super nintendo well and that's the thing that's what i was saying you know you know people want the games like we want the popular games and i get that there's this whole behind the scenes legalities stuff that they have to deal with but people want the specific games so why can't nintendo or why isn't nintendo you know actively pursuing to get the licensing updated to have them on the virtual console you know um we we, they throw in all these like random ass kind of beat up shooters or flight sim type you know arcade shooters and stuff like that that yeah okay do i need jesus oh double dragon hyper x 13 version 2 super elite edition uh um, it's a controller yeah, to play. <laughs> yeah, it's got 32 buttons. All in all they're all different sizes too and shapes. Um but like why is Nintendo just kind of throwing these random ass games in when they could they could put in like they have enough popular games that I would say are on I'd say 75% of people's top 10 list. So right. The and they could they could throw those out there for the next, you know, year and you would have the best value. Yeah. The only thing that I kind of really got excited about when I read it and I saw the video 
there, there was one thing that kind of like made my brain tingle as if I was Spider-Man. And it was something that I know you and I have kind of like alluded to a little bit. Um, but I, I'm wondering if you, you've picked up on what I'm excited about or like the one possible clue to, to future things that has come of this. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. That's fine. So, you know how in the past we've talked about how Nintendo and Rare kind of had that weird, we're breaking up, but not really, but you can keep Donkey Kong, but we're taking Banjo-Kazooie and taking him to Xbox uh, and all that other stuff. Yeah. Rare allowed this game to come back to Nintendo. Nintendo, like, yes, it is a Donkey Kong title, but Rare could have also been like, fuck off. We let you put it on the Super Nintendo Mini, which you made money on, and we got paid for but you're not giving us 30 cents for every single uh, nintendo switch online account there's no way that's that's true there there's something bigger to this and i i like i mean this is my my conspiracy theory hat it's on my head but rare doesn't give like rare doesn't unlock the vault for their own stuff they have like a pretty exclusive relationship with microsoft in most cases yeah like that, like, and we knew that years ago because remember, uh, I can't remember what game it was, but it it was rumored to have Donkey Kong potentially appear in it, uh, Microsoft title, and then it just never happened. But Banjo Kazooie is available on the Rare Replay, um, on Rare Replay, and it's also available on the well. I think you can get one or two of them. I think it's Banjo-Kazooie or Banjo-Tooie on Game Pass. One of the two. I think the whole of Rare Replays on Game Pass. If all of a sudden we see something weird, like a remake of Goldeneye, it, to me, would be like, okay, so Rare and Nintendo are playing again. And that, like, that's the thing that excited me the most. Like, They didn't have to put this on the virtual console. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, this is not even a game that I, like, overly excited about for virtual console because i have it on my super nintendo mini hooked up to my tv already and i'm really good at docking so it's not like i'm dying to play it because i just played through it not that long ago there's there's something more to this you could have picked any game and yeah like you're saying like people want the bigger games but everybody and their brother probably at one point or another owned the first Donkey Kong country for super Nintendo. It is one of the most common games available aside from super Mario world. And like, I like, I know I'm not wrong about that. Yeah. I so think, um, I feel like there's you were, more play. I think kind of what you're alluding to, it's not the first time that we would have seen something like that happen. If you remember back way back when square Enix Squaresoft at the time stopped releasing games on Nintendo consoles because they had a kind of a argument, so to speak, with Nintendo, and they started releasing stuff on the more powerful PlayStation 1 hardware. So then for the longest, longest, longest time, Squaresoft, Square Enix only released games on PlayStation or on Sony hardware. Um, But then I remember watching E3 and seeing Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles coming out on the Nintendo GameCube. It was a GameCube exclusive. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time in years that S- S- Squaresoft um, 
had released or made a game for a Nintendo system. And from that point on, you know, they kind of had their relationship mended and we didn't see a whole lot of games necessarily on the and uh, GameCube, but we did see more games coming on the Wii and the Wii U. And now even on the Nintendo switch, there's still a plethora of square published games on there, like uh, Octopath Traveler, Bravely Default 2, yeah. um, and the handheld, like the DS was, um, if you, you could throw a, I don't know what's the saying is, throw a s- s- hot dog down. You can throw, you can toss a, a hot caf- dog. Cafe, and you'd, I don't know, but you'd, you'd throw something at a bunch of DS games, and you're pretty, <laughs> what, what am I saying? I, I have you could no throw idea. something into you could throw something into a room with a bunch of DS games, and there's a pretty good chance that you would find one that was published by Square Enix. That's okay. the new saying now. You could throw <laughs> a hot dog saying, like, at a video game. Got it? Yeah, you could throw a hot dog at a video game. So, but this is the thing. Like, kind of maybe what you're allu- like, you know. Con- uh, wow, I'm having the worst time with words. Normally, it's you. Um, it's the hosting chair. My computer messed yeah, up. Yeah, it so is. David actually had to host tonight. I'm so nervous. Um, <laughs> Performance and yeah. drug. Yeah. Um, this might be a indicator that Nintendo is in talks with Rare and therefore in talks with Microsoft because we know that Microsoft and Nintendo have worked together um, to support cross-platform multiplayer right or you know some microsoft published games or microsoft games coming out on nintendo consoles and And banjo and kazooie are in smash brothers now which if you look on their wikipedia page for the microsoft era because microsoft bought rare in 2002 yes rare is a second party uh second party publisher so they only make games for uh, Microsoft. Yeah, it just says Microsoft and Rare also collaborated with Nintendo in 2019 to add Banjo and Kazooie as playable characters in the crossover Nintendo Switch fighting game, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, this was released and revealed at X19 in 2019. But if you look at the, the Nintendo era of 1994 to 2002, they didn't own them. They were just partnered. So I don't know, maybe. Yeah, like Nintendo was like their main publisher or whatever. I wonder how it would work if Microsoft, as an example, wanted to be like, hey, we want to re-release GoldenEye 007. But Nintendo owns the rights to that title alongside of Rareware. Interesting. I I think the the most logical or the most realistic potential for something like that to happen is that we would see the same thing like we have with um, some of like the older star Wars games where they'll release on multiple consoles. Um, it, for that case, I think it would be, we would see it on the Nintendo switch and the Xbox, not on this PlayStation, just because Nintendo owns the license for it. Right. But rare <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. Microsoft owns the publisher or the, the, sorry, the um, developer. So the probably the most reasonable um, turnout for that would be both Nintendo Switch and Xbox users get it with cross-platform play. Yeah, that would be amazing. Slappers only, no odd job. That's cheating. 
whoa, deja vu. We've said this exact thing once before. <laughs> but Probably. yeah. Um, I, I digress. I, I just, I had a really big feeling about that. And I just, I don't know. Do you want to talk about something a little bit more exciting? Different? New? Ubisoft's lies? Lies? You say? Maybe. So, I'm going to start off before we get into the game content. Um, I missed one in the list, which I'll tell you in a second. Um, Ubisoft, to me, had the most efficient and productive presentation so far. It was just game, explanation, game, explanation, game, explanation, game, explanation. We're done. They did it in an hour. Mm. It didn't take much of my time. And what they showed was great. And that's saying something considering like Microsoft shows next week and hopefully they've learned a ton. EA's was awful. And I still say Sony's could have been better just because I, I thought Sony's was filled with a bunch of lies, <laughs> but yeah. the original Microsoft one super sucked, but jumping right in, uh, they showed off a little bit uh, at the beginning of the show, the ghost recon Breakpoint. I know you don't see that when it first launches in, but it just announced that they were, um, they're, they're doing a massive update, giving um, uh, quality of life improvements and they were adding new characters, which was really cool. But the piece of resistance happened at the beginning and the end of the show, for sure. First off, we saw Watch Dogs Legion. That trailer made me want to pre-order the game a little bit. Remember, don't pre-order any Ubisoft games. Yeah, you never have to. But the one thing that I really enjoyed about the game was it kind of reminded me of State of Decay a little bit, where you kind of had to, like your character can go around and recruit anybody and you can use the abilities that you find throughout people because you've like hacked their cell phone and like learned all about their lives. But like you can take like a mechanic and use their skills or a doctor and use their skills. You can even hack like the operatives, which was really, really cool. But you get to build your own team and you can like earn all their outfits, um, all their abilities. Did you not think that was really a unique shot at or an attempt to make watchdogs relevant again yeah i think they they are trying to make it so that it really truly feels more open world than the open world games that we're used to now right with with the ability to control pretty much anyone recruit anyone it's now kind of what like watchdogs one was trying to do right like yeah. make this living world but now i think they're really pushing it and like they're um can you imagine if this is what watchdogs one was like when it first came out that would have blown people's minds right like it would have been kind of what they they said that the first like what the first watchdogs e3 trailer was you know it would have been like that and i think people are a little wary about um watchdog legions but Ubisoft has been doing a pretty good job at kind of publishing it and building up the hype and um, really talking up the features of the game. Yeah. And it, and it looks like they're doing more in-game footage this time around. They also showed like a, like five minute short film to start 
based on the game, which I thought was really a different touch. But then they were mm. like, no, we're actually going to show you gameplay. The character movement was pretty crisp. I didn't really like the flying kicks and stuff because it just seemed so unrealistic for the construction worker. That's but, true. Um, I, I, I think the one thing that sold me on this game was the odds of you having an identical experience to even the person playing beside you is so low. The story is going to shape out the same. But how you get from point A to point B is 1,000% up to you. And it might be like one of those things where forums are developed and it's like, oh, what's the best way to get through this mission? Well, I took a construction worker, a skateboarder, a anarchist, and a doctor. I thought, Mm -hmm. I think that, I shouldn't say I thought, I think that having the ability to completely control how the game is played is unbelievable and you can customize it whatever way you want i know when you and i played state of decay pretty much every character you picked up was the same the only thing that you had a difference in was like their brute strength and their shooting ability if i remember correctly yeah yeah so this i think though it is different but like a lot of other ubisoft games i think it will be released to great hype but then also disappointment as well oh it's 1000 percent gonna be like 49 dollars <laughs> really quickly but did i can't remember they um oh october not 29th 2020 so it's pre-next gen and it comes with smart delivery so this might actually be like one for you xbox fans to pick up we don't know if Sony's going to be offering the same thing like the automatic upgrade because it, to me for the hundred games that Sony's going to have available on launch, most of them are just going to be games that are coming out a month beforehand. Um, I'd like to see more, but I'm kind of excited because if this game looks as good as it sh- was shown, this might be a really nice appetizer to begin your next gen experience. Yeah, it could be a really good co-op experience as well, hopefully. Right? Like I feel like it, it could be fun in the sense that, you know, it, you know what, we're going to do um we're going to do this mission and I'm going to be this this child who is a secret assassin. Right? Like just something stupid, right? And you can be like an old grandma or an old man. Yeah. But and we only, can just recap it. <laughs> could you imagine if it's like State of Decay though and it's like you just helped your buddy get so far? But it's not going to happen because you played on his file. Sorry, bro. Well, Ubisoft has been pretty good with that kind of stuff. Like the the division, for example. Honestly, you can join. You can join, you can join my game, right? Like, remember when we were playing Division Two a few weeks ago? You were a few missions ahead of me, um, but any missions that you had. Like we could play the mission that you were at, even though I was not there yet. And it was just harder for you. Yeah. So I think Ubisoft kind of has a pretty good grasp of their kind of multiplayer aspect of that. Hopefully. Um, I don't know what it's been like in their Tom Clancy games recently. Um, But I can't see them doing, uh, I would hope that they wouldn't create a 
roadblock in the sense that if I play in your game, I'm not unlocking anything for mine. Yes, that just defeats the purpose of playing co-op. Yeah, and right? especially I, I, if you're working through the story. You yeah. remember that first? Like that was the first and last time we played together that game. It was <laughs> Pretty like, much, yeah. Like, this is stupid, and now I'm becoming like this pretentious player where, with Game Pass, I'm just like, fuck it. <laughs> I don't need like this game was not enjoyable for the first five minutes. I'm out. Well, and- that's a, that's what makes Game Pass such a good value, right? Because think about if you bought a a next gen game for. $101 Canadian after tax and you put it in and you do not enjoy the first 10, 15 minutes. You're running back to the right? store. You, but and the thing is with games, unless you buy it from somewhere that actually allows you to return or exchange games, you know, most stores don't. Right. So you're, you have to bite it and you can trade it back in for, you know, a third or 25% of the, the cost, or, you know, hopefully you can sell it on, online for something but still like i think game pass is a great value for people who you know like us who can be very critical of games you know um i would i would have been pissed if i bought state of decay and you know wanted to play co-op with my friends to kind of get through the story only to find out that oh i'm gonna have to play the same mission you know twice minimum so that myself and my friend can you know get to the same point so with game pass you know it you don't have to feel bad being like oh well fuck this game right because you know if if you really liked it once it gets off game pass you're gonna buy it right yeah no absolutely and i think this is one thing that escaped us in our earlier conversation but game pass is a huge advantage and game changer i don't think ubisoft games are going to be on there right away or maybe they will because phil spencer kind of showed up a little bit and he was uh really i think something big is going to happen but we'll talk about that in a second uh do you want to move on to the next game oh actually let's do the the usual we're not going to pre-order any ubisoft game we're just gonna be yeah no this one i might this is a a review launch game for me i don't know necessarily if i'd bargain bin it especially if there's going to be a heavy co-op component but we'll see what the reviews look like at launch. If it's a strong, a strong title and they're honest reviews on like what happened with the last of us, I'd be a little bit more, I'd be interested in venturing in it, but I don't think it's a, a bargain basement one for me. How about you? Um, I would, I would say I would be willing to buy it on like an early sale. Not bargain bin prices, but not like not day one, but maybe, you know, a month or two in once, you know, patches have been put out to crush any, you know, game breaking bugs or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't buy it full price. I wouldn't bargain bin it. I'm like a happy medium. Fair. Well, the next game you don't have to worry about paying for because it is Brawlhalla Mobile. Brawlhalla is bringing its fierce free-to-play platforming fighting action to iOS and Android as of August 6th. It looked cool. There's not really much to talk about it because it is a mobile game, but it did look very Smash Brothers-ish, but with fun animation. And I think it comes with like 50 sprites to start, right? 
Yeah, like Brawlhalla, you can download on Nintendo Switch. I think I downloaded it once, um, loaded it up, played one mission or one level or whatever, and then never played it again. It's just another um, Smash Bros. clone. Mm. But it's made by Ubisoft, and you can be with a bear with a sword. Yeah. That I mean, I can't really rate it, but I would say I'll try it. I'll definitely try it on my phone if it's not going to chew up the battery. Well, you can. I probably won't even bother. (laughs) Okay. Look look forward to David's uh, micro-review on August... Oh, look at that, August 9th. (laughs) You've come up on the schedule. Or 10th. JK, JK. Um, I'm not a big... Like, I never really played Might and Magic. I don't know if you have... um, If you want... I played Might and Magic many, many years ago on... PC now this was like a might and magic I, I don't know if this was like a mobile one I didn't really quite understand it the video it was more of like a thank you type video thing um, but I do remember like there's heroes of might and magic that was a big game years ago I don't know if it was Ubisoft that made it but uh, again I don't know <laughs> I, I don't know what this one was it, it, yeah it, it, it to me didn't look very entertaining I couldn't even tell you much about it it's a game that I was never really interested in when I was younger, but it, I love the, some of the lines. It's been a great seven months. There's been a hundred plus million battles and that's all thanks to you. It's another mobile game. Ubisoft is getting into the mobile games. The third they're, mobile. They're really <laughs> advertising it. The, the third one comes up here, which is a free to play tactical RPG with a massive roster of 70 characters uh, spanning from Tom Clancy, uh, sorry, spanning the Tom Clancy universe of games. On August 27th, you'll be able to play Tom Clancy's Elite Squad, which is literally Fortnite with Tom (laughs) Tom Clancy characters. I don't know. I'll probably play this. (laughs) It looks like it's my thing. It it looks interesting. It looks kind of fun, lighthearted, but probably, you know, difficult at the same time. The thing I really appreciated and what made the trailer so kind of fun for me was when you first like see it start and you have the the gigging guy and he gets pinned down. You're like, oh, these are Rainbow Six characters. I know what this is like. And then it's like Mm -hmm. the bad guy. I can't remember who they rescue. It's the bad guy from something. And then you see like the guy from Splinter Cell in here. And it's just a bunch of Rainbow Six characters to start. And you're like, oh, cool. And then like Valkyrie shows up, or not Valkyrie. Um, uh, damn it. What was that girl's name? Who's the one that can sneak around? I forget. Man. Uh, the, the sneaky one. Yeah, we'll call her the sneaky one. He, um, not he. Very, very sneaky. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like you get to see all these characters and you just remember what they were like to play with. And you're like, oh, this is really cool. Kavera, what her name is. So. Sure. Well, you didn't play nearly as much as I did. But yeah, like I, I think when it comes to this game, I'm hopeful that this game also comes free to play to console because I think it'd be kind of cool. Well, like we don't know what it's going to look like. We saw obviously the animation for this. It could mm-hmm. be just another mobile battle game. We just don't know what it's actually going to be, which is slightly concerning, but I, I will try it. I will tell you I will try it. One thing I've I've noticed from this Ubisoft presentation is that they are really kind of 
pushing into the mobile market and the community market. Mm-hmm. At least they didn't spend, you know, 15 minutes talking about how their games let people feel feelings that they want to feel. Yeah. Or put, put you on a ridiculous scavenger hunt to not win anything. They were just like, here, if you uh, log onto your computer, you can have watchdogs too. Well, no, that was uh, actually you, you were supposed to have watched, watched it's it. you play, right? For something uh, or on Mixer and stuff like that. Yeah, you, sh- you were supposed to have watched it, but then there was a problem with the system and it wasn't giving people the stuff that they said. So then they just ended up giving it to everyone if you logged in and registered. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Did you say Mixer? That doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's still around. No, Mixer, di- Mixer died. Maybe Mixer died in your heart, but it's still technically a, it's just, a thing. It's a useless pain on my Xbox right now. Speaking of Xbox and getting yeah. back to it, Rainbow Six Siege, uh, the development team just put a video message together celebrating five years of the game and thanking the community for the passion and dedication. I I know for some people who don't play this game and watch the video and were like, oh, well, this looks kind of weird or whatever. That the Rainbow Six Invitational that I, I was fortunate enough to go to in Montreal had to be one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in the gaming community. Everybody had so much fun. People were cheering, laughing. You, you like you could get into it with the host. Like I was bantering with uh, Matt Andrews on Twitter while he was like off camera. Um, I, anytime a kill would happen in the game, the place would just go bonkers. The cosplay was insane. Everybody had like t-shirts. It was so cool. Which I think is interesting because when I played the closed beta of that game and um, I did not like it at like at launch the game was it was okay it it didn't look the greatest it didn't necessarily play the greatest but the my big biggest problem was that it was a game that you 100% need to play with a team of people and communicate right and I think at the time when it came out you know Call of Duty and all that stuff was still very big where it's just a run and gun shooter where Rainbow Six Siege was not a run and gun shooter um if you run and gun and get a kill in that game, you're lucky, right? So it, it came out. Um, I had it pre-ordered, and I actually canceled my pre-order after playing the closed beta. And, and it was and so buggy. Beta. I remember that. Right? And then later on, like it, it was, and it's hard to believe that it was five years ago that a game came out. It's crazy. But then remember, I was down, and we were visiting, and uh, EB had it for like, what, it was like 10 bucks or something? Oh yeah, we walked into a random mall and it was like the game of the day. And you were like, "Oh, yeah." I, and I, I, I had, I had bought it. Um, I think to play with my one buddy, because uh, we got it for like twenty bucks or something like that. I'm like, "Okay, you know what? We'll we'll do that." And then I got you to play, and we ended up playing that first, you know, week like forty hours. Yeah. And we I'm, played that game like fairly regularly for for a few months, right? Mm-hmm. It just I, got to the point though where. You know, you have to play consistently. If you stop playing, you know, you you lose your your ability. Your ability. To be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember. Oh my goodness, when was it? I went to. I think it would have been X fifteen or sixteen, and I got invited into. A, they're like, "Hey, um, who are you with?" And at the time, we were writing for. It was before you were. I was writing for Three Gem. Like that was before you were even involved. 
Yeah. And like I went and um, my partner at the time got to go to the Nintendo one, which you got to go go karting and play Mario Kart Deluxe. And that was really fun for them, which was fine. But I got to go to this one. At the time, I thought that was pretty cool. And I was sitting there and I was talking with uh, who I think it's EA that does uh, Plants vs. Zombies, right? Uh, yes. So I was talking to one of the developers from there and just getting some information. And this girl taps me on the shoulder and she's like, hey, we need one more to run some demos for Rainbow Six. It's going to be about an hour. I was like, okay, well, I'm here with somebody else. Let me just let them know. And they're like, actually, we could use two. So it was another writer that we had. His name was Kyle. And we walked in. But when I first turned around, I was like, I know this voice. It was Marissa Roberto. I was like, Marissa Roberto's talking to me? Like, And anybody who watched like reviews on the run or whatever, like she's the Canadian, um, what's her name? Um, not Olivia Wilde. Who's the one that used to be on Attack of the Show um, that everybody kind of like hated and then loved and now she's an actor? I don't remember. Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn, yeah. So like to people who got G4 TV, Marissa Roberto was a really big deal at the time. And I remember like she's still, she's doing their stuff with TSN and um, Squarespace and all that stuff now. But I remember going in there and I got to play Rainbow Six with like some of her team, like the review on the run guys for an hour. And we got to like, they explained, um, they did like a demo. So they explained how the game worked and like what you would do on offense and on defense. And they just explained a bunch of stuff. And then they were like, okay, so play. And then we're going to like let you do it again. I think we played maybe four or five matches in the hour, but it was an unbelievably cool experience. And I think I even remember at the time messaging you and be like, holy like this game's cool <laughs> everybody i could talk to about this game at the time i was just like guys this game is fucking unreal it's like the best and then you like got involved with us shortly after um before well when three gem ended and we moved on to other things but i just remember how cool that game was and it, like you could only play that house that was the only level that you could play at this demo but it was yeah like, it's a it's a weird name drop story but it was like the coolest thing that could have happened to me at a video game thing you know <laughs> like i was like oh damn cool this is awesome but it, it's it's one of those things that you know we uh we had growing up watching these shows right and gaming always brought people together so and the biggest thing for gamers i think is being able to play games before they come out right you always want to see what it is, right? So being able to go to an uh, an experience, not only playing a game or s- experiencing a game before it's released, but also with the people that you know we watched and looked up to, and kind of wanted to be, you know, when we were younger. That's what uh, that's what makes some of the best memories, right? Yeah, and it was to me, it was just like that's something that's going to stick with me forever. Like I know I was selected at random, but. I thought it was really cool. Like I could have been because I was talking up other people while I was there. And like, I tried to be as social as possible. And I really wanted to make sure that I left a good impression because like they were people that I was going to work with for a while. And unfortunately the the company that does 
the stuff with Microsoft doesn't do it anymore. But that was such a cool experience. The only thing that like would have made it sweeter is if Victor Lucas was also there, but he was not at the time. Yeah. Shall Shame. We, shall we hit the next game? Hyperspace. This game was kind Hyper, of all over the place Hyper, for me. Hyper, hyperscape. Hyperscape. What did I say? Space. Hyperspace. This this one was the one where it was like uh, it just it just that was the one where she could like loop back and forth in the time mm-hmm. loops, right? It looked really. It is. Neat. It is a free to play game though. Oh yes, this is the one where it's like um, what did I write for the exact notes? Because I was very confused by it. Um, I wrote and I quote. Uh, this is very ready player one to the point where you can go play a battle royale with your friends or you can play other games as well. It's kind of a mixed match of everything. It's also weird that the community can vote via Twitch on how to alter each round of the game. So this is like to me, I don't know if it's going to be like the, uh, the same as like loading up into a battle royale and being like, all right, so I'm going to play Call of Duty at nine o'clock. I'm going to just log on and the game's going to be there. You're going to have to jump into games, get into a timed arena, and then games that are on, like, like is this going to be perma on Twitch? Is the Battle Royale arena always going to be on Twitch via Ubisoft? Is there going to be different Battle Royale arenas? Like, how is the community going to influence this? That was the one thing that I found, like, kind of confusing. Because they didn't show off any of the other game modes but they showed off the fact that the community could be engaged and change and alter the way the game is played and once you die you just go back to the lobby i just i don't know that's where i'm kind of feeling yeah i i i I don't know what to think about this because at one point or on the surface it's just another battle royale game yeah but you know having the ability for community interactions from just people watching you know that's that's interesting and i know twitch and mixer rip um has implemented some games (laughs) some some games where you know they can do things during the stream like people watching can do things during the stream and it can influence the game that the person's playing um now is this going to be a is there going to be a set stream where like and that's the thing is like multiple people are going to be playing this game streaming it but how are the how is the community going to influence those games is it going to be you know the the community across all of the streams watching um or is it going to be um I don't know, like, are they going to have one single stream, right? That this is the one to watch to control the game. What was the T? Well, I always forget. What was that TV show that also became a video game? And it was on like Discovery Channel and it was terrible and it got canceled. And I keep saying and, but it was, it was called like Resistance or something. Defiance. Defiance, yeah. And the game lasted longer than the TV show because the community would just be like, nah, don't want to do this. And they were just like, they would watch the show and then realize they could fuck with the show incredibly. But then they would ruin the online game experience. And I remember when you could buy it, like it was like $150 to get the game and you got it in like a crate. Do you remember all this? Yeah, yeah. 
and then you like your crate included like different um like it included the game it included like different ways you could play the game and like some peripherals and stuff that you can enjoy and like some collectibles because it was going to be on tv and if you were playing you were also signing like an agreement that if your character or your voice was on the television show at any point in time although it was like a dystopian tv show they took footage from the game and the ideas it was this whole thing i thought it was kind of cool I, I do. I, I don't see, though, there being a long lifespan for a game that relies on community involvement. Right? Like, they're banking on this game because, it's like I said, it's another Battle Royale game. And I'd say right now, the biggest players in the Battle Royale genre are still Fortnite and uh, Warzone, Call of Duty. So, are they trying to. Are they hoping that. Um, you know, community involvement is going to be their trump card that gets people to leave the other games and go play there. And, and let's um, it, it might be good for it. Sorry. It might be good for, you know, big streamers, you know, to, to bring over because it's just another way to engage their viewers, right? Like, Oh, I'm going to play this game, but you guys watching can uh, straight up change the game and affect mm-hmm. it. I, I, I don't know. It looked very gimmicky. We also have, like, look at the games that we already have that are in that art style. You have Overwatch. You have, um, wow. You've told me to download this game like a hundred times. It's free to play. Uh, it's exactly I I like Overwatch. Download a lot of games. Yeah, I know, but it, it's the damn it. Anyways, we have like we have games that are like this already. And I just don't think we need another. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I like the futuristic look of it. It reminds me a lot of, Oh, paladins. Yeah. But I I don't play paladins anymore. I actually haven't played in a long time. Um, I like the look of it. It's, it's looks futuristic. It looks doesn't look too like cartoony. Yep. Um, so it has a cool aesthetics. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll have to see how it goes. Like it's um, it, you can download it. It's in open beta right now. So you can download play and see for yourself. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just another battle Royale game. So we'll have to see how it takes off or if it does. Do you know what isn't a Battle Royale game? Bar Cry 6. That was a big one, huh? I, I actually... I'll give it to them. That was a showstopper for me. Like, you knew what was coming. You knew Far Cry. There was a new Far Cry game coming. It was just... You could feel it. But did you expect it this way? Uh, Kind of. The last what do two you, were not... Hold on. What do you mean, expect it this way? Like, did you expect them to have, like, a really, like, kind of dark reveal? Considering the last one was, like, about the Confederacy. And the one, and like, it was, like, in Middle America. uh, Or, I guess, Southern America. And then the one before that was Far Cry Primal, which was just bad. Far Cry 4 was, I want to say, South America. Not Southern America, I guess. I thought it was four, four was in like Taiwan or something. 
Oh, maybe. Was it, it was three like that was South America? Somewhere. Three was in South America, I think. But you, the one thing you can see developing is I, I think they're going to start getting away from like you have to kill the animals to make your pelts and all that other stuff. Now you have to kill the people to make your pelts. Well, you're getting you're you're going to be in more established areas. So. Yeah, this one looks like like the trailer was all you know pre-rendered stuff. Like there's no gameplay, so we we have no idea what they're going to do, what the game is actually going to be like. But I feel like this is going to be more of an urban warfare kind of thing with some open world jungle or like desert or tundra whatever it is right wherever it takes place um i think it's going to be more like that kind of it'd be interesting if there was the possibility of you know well far cry 4 had different endings right yeah yeah so it's like either you can be good and bring your people to prosperity or you can crush the rebellion and bring Glory to the new galactic empire. And the game slowly became a Star <laughs> Wars game. Pretty much. I don't know. To, to me, at the end of the day, like what we were like, I think Ubisoft super delivered. Like, again, like this game doesn't drop till February, which is fine. But it showed uh, they showed us that they are not backing down from like these other third parties. Like, they made EA look like a bunch of bitches with five games. They showed us new, like new content on current IPs, which is fine. They showed us three mobile games. They showed us like two, or I guess two. Um, why can't I think of the word? Um, free to play. No, yeah, they they showed us two free to pay, but they also showed us two like series that they have and they've been investing in that are constantly improving they showed us watchdogs and they showed us far cry they were like you know what we're gonna give the people what they want we're not gonna come up with a bunch of new stuff that they don't necessarily want ubisoft doesn't have well, to I they make so much money on tom clancy that they, and far cry and yeah i think though with ubisoft though they weren't trying to impress or blow everyone away right they were showing what was either had already been announced or everyone already knew about people already play. Right. So it's more of a, this is what we do. You know, this is where we're going. And then they ended it with far cry six. Yeah. And did it like, not this is what we do? This is what we're working on. And this is, you know, what's coming up next. This is a little taste of it. Right. And like you said, it comes out in February. Right. So it's definitely going to be, uh, a launch title for the next gen systems. And I think it's going to be one of those games that is a big, big seller because people have wanted a a new far cry game. Um, And if I don't know, I would say far cry are some of the better games that Ubisoft puts out. Yeah. You know, they've been fairly consistent with their style, their improvements in the gameplay overall, except for what, uh, whatever primal was. But that was kind of like a, I, I, the way I see Primal, I think that was just their way of testing the waters for a different kind of style. Yeah, right? and it just it didn't work out. Because like, I think the big things with Far Cry to me are like 
the bow on like bow and arrow is so good. Like, do you remember in Far Cry three when you had to like you approach that barge and you can either go with go in with guns or if you have a bow and arrow, you can get in stealthily, which is so uh-huh. much fun. I just I'm very I'm very excited to see like they didn't come in to try and like blow the doors off and show up everybody, but they did it because they stuck to a format and formula that worked. And I didn't see a lot of people complain at all about this presentation. It was one of the best presentations we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, thinking about it, I, I haven't really seen or heard any complaints about it either. And I think that's the thing is like, they didn't set the bar super high, right? Like EA really built up their EA play 2020 thing. Um, to the point Sony, where it was just a huge disappointment, right? Sony even built up their announcement for the PS5, or like their their future of gaming reveal thing. Yeah, um, and yeah, there was some some cool stuff seen there, but for the most part, it was like okay, a lot of these are going to be multi platform anyways, right? Um, Ubisoft was just like okay, this time if you watch it, you'll get Watch Dogs two for free on PC. Um, and they didn't really promise anything. They didn't. Be, they, they didn't name it. What was it called? Which? What? What was their like video release UB, thing UB, called? Uh, UB Forward or Ubisoft Forward? For, Ubisoft Forward reveal event. So they literally just named it like, uh, Ubi, like, uh, such a generic name, Ubisoft Forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we went in with no expectations, right? Like we expected to see watchdogs. We expected to see some Tom Clancy stuff, um, but expectations were low and they ended on such a high note that I think, um, I don't know. It, it was one of, like you said, it was one of the better reveal events. Yeah. I, I think and it like- gives them so much time. Sorry. It gives them so much time to now in the future, like through the next few months, like release individual, um, like trailers and updates for the games and just kind of slowly build that hype for them rather than like building a hype for this whole thing and then not, you know, giving it <laughs> what's the word shit, uh, building all the hype, but then not being able to actually live up to it yeah, and for I, their reveal. My, my final thought on Ubisoft is thank you. Thank you for giving us a show that started on time that didn't make me want to blow my brains out. And more importantly, you didn't, you didn't go above expectations. You didn't go below expectations. You gave us an opportunity to see good content. Mm -hmm. And we haven't seen that yet. Sure. Every, and like, this is the funny thing about the gaming community is every show proceed like supersedes its last one. Minus EA, which should have just never happened the way it did. But Microsoft was like, yeah, we've got all these third-party games. This is really fun. And then Sony came out and they're like, oh, this is way better. Like People were like, that was way better than the crap we saw with Microsoft. I'm buying a PS5. Then EA came out and people were just like, I'm still buying a PS5. But Ubisoft kind of was like, we're only talking about Ubisoft. Yeah, I, I think like with the the hype for the Microsoft one is that it was all like indie and like third party developers, which people were expecting it to be um, 
first party stuff. See Halo when they got Ola. Yeah. So and that's the thing is like I think maybe it's a good thing that those ones came out first because if if Ubisoft did a you know one before Sony and one before EA, you know I think the hype would be pretty big there. Right, but now I think people might be a little more cautious about getting super psyched up for these reveal events because the past few haven't really been that good. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I'm very excited to see what comes next week, especially with Phil Spencer like appearing in this video. I think we're gonna get an exclusive on Microsoft from Ubisoft. I don't know what it could be, but hopefully. Could you imagine it's like an Assassin's Creed Valhalla like early release? God, that would just piss off Sony people so much. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. They'd be all like, uh, "Why does Microsoft get these exclusive releases?" Meanwhile, Sony does it all the time. Yeah, but they don't understand that if another company does it, it's okay too. If I've learned anything over the last four weeks. Maybe maybe through quarantine while all these videos have been happening. Is PlayStation owners and like PlayStation fanboys that don't even own Switches are just a breed of their own, man. Oh my goodness. It's like nothing else in the world is comparable to the power of Sony. <laughs> yeah. It's well so that's bad. the thing, it's like even people that I know that they they don't even have a PlayStation 5 though. And they just think that it's like the greatest thing in the world or sorry, they don't have a PS4 and they think it's like the greatest thing in the world and they'll just bash everything Microsoft does. And it's like, okay, like you don't even, like it doesn't even make any sense what you're talking about. It's, it's one of those things, man. Yeah. But you know what? Like that's, that's, that's the state of the world right now. It just doesn't make sense. Kind of like this whole episode. Yeah, we started talking about <laughs> the the price of Donkey Kong, or not the price of Donkey Kong. No, two K games. Two K games got into buying. Then we got car. into car wa- car warranties. But uh, yeah, that is that is our episode for this week. Um, if you like what you're hearing, if you want to join in on the conversations, you know, give us a message on our Instagram, Facebook. We always love to hear what you guys are up to. And we will catch you guys next time on the Scene on Screen podcast. David's never hosting again. I'm never hosting again. (laughs) 